Well, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, talking about Godonomics. This is a series we started a couple of weeks ago. And last week, we got into some things um, specifically about what God says about money. Finances, money, everything like that. It's all the same thing, but what do we do with it? And it, as you guys know, we do this all the time, is that I don't care what anybody says. I care about what God says. My opinion is absolutely irrelevant on any topic if it is not grounded in something greater than myself. Grounded in Scripture, God's Word. I mean, I could go through and show you like how we know that the Bible is the Word of God, how we know it's true, how we know that it has survived the test of time, how we know the documents we have today are the same that were written thousands of years ago. I could go through and do all of that, but I don't need to because you're already with me there. But if those things are all true, then there is a reason that we have this. It is a reason. It's an instruction. And that instruction goes in every part of life. How do we know that there is no way to come to the Father except through Jesus? How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us, right? Were you there? I wasn't there. I wasn't there to hear it. I had a guy tell me one time, and uh, again, uh, let's just face it. There are stupid people in the world, right? We know this, right? Like, if you've ever had a job... Um, ever gone to Walmart, ever left your house in any capacity, you've run into a stupid person, okay? Not here, though. Not here. We are the upper echelon, but other places, all right? And this guy, um, bless his heart, he, he meant well, but he told me, he said, listen, he's like, this Bible is outdated. We don't need this anymore. And I said, really? I said, how'd you come to that conclusion? He said, well, here's the bottom line is that we need to have a relationship with God like the apostles had, and really like Abraham had. They didn't have any Bible to go off of. They were in community with the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, that's an important thing, definitely. But why do you think we don't need the Word? He said, because Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. I said, well, how'd you know that? He said, well, I read it in the Bible. I didn't have a mic to drop, but I wanted one in that moment. I'm like, really? And I had to explain it like he didn't get it. But I'm like, the conclusions you have come to are based off the scripture, which are nothing more than the writing down of what was actually said and done during that period. And from that, we gleam our understanding of God. Fair enough? Not that complicated. And so we do that in the church world in a lot of things. We do it in the way that we act. We do it in the way that we worship. We do it in the way that we come to God. The one way we don't often do it is dealing with finances. Not the most exciting topic in the world. I understand that. But when it comes to the things of God, we need to do everything His way, including money. Did you know that money's not evil? It is not evil. There are evil people that have it. There are good people that have it. Money's not evil. But we act like it is. It's like this taboo subject. You can do anything you want, talk about anything you want, but don't talk about what I do with my checkbook. I don't even know if you can make that statement. Does anybody even write checks? Hardly at all anymore. Everything's done online. See, we, there's a way that God wants us to handle money. Did you know that he wants you to prosper? Do you know that he wants you financially well off? That there is no mandate in Scripture for you to be poor? You may think you're humble, but what you really are is pious. Do you realize that most of poverty in the world today has to do with poor financial decisions by people? At least in these first world countries. Third world country we could, is a, a little different subject. But here in America, if more often than not, it's your fault. Yeah, you might not have had the greatest upbringing, but in this country there are freedoms that allow you to change where you came from. 
I mean, I've told you guys before, I grew up in a poor household. I'm a long ways from rich, but I ain't living on the streets. You know, there are things that God has to do, and this is what Godonomics is about, doing things God's way. What does God have to say about money? So last week, we talked about getting into Scripture. There are three things that when I read the Bible, I see that God wants us to experience. These three things are this, liberty, prosperity, and generosity. Liberty is what? It is freedom. Here in the U.S., we have freedom. Thankfully, we had a group of men that feared God and used the Bible as the way that they wrote the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and our U.S. Constitution, as well as many other documents. And in that, they say that man is created equal by their God, by nature's God, and, and all of these things come together to form an individual who has a right to do what they want. Government doesn't tell them what to do. Government protects those rights. We have freedom. Spiritually speaking, when we are born again, do we have freedom? Oh, absolutely. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We have liberty to choose. Do we have liberty in where we go to church? Absolutely. Do we have liberty in how we worship God? To a degree, absolutely. We have freedom to do it, to not do it. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. It's an important part, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. You don't ever have to take communion to be a born-again believer. None of those things have anything to do with it, but we have freedom to do it. For some people, they enjoy looking into the, the Old Testament stuff and honoring the Sabbath, keeping the festivals, all of those types of things. Some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Just bear with me. We have freedom to do it. We should at least acknowledge it. But we have freedom to do it. We have freedom not to do it. It's our choice, but there is good in all of it. So we have liberty when it comes to the things of God. We also have that same liberty when it comes to giving, when it comes to finances and what we do with it. And we'll get more into that later on. Prosperity. God never expected us to be broke. There are a lot of people that would twist scripture and say, well, Jesus was poor. He had no place to lay his head. Um, I'm sorry. He was traveling all over the place. What do you need a house for? I mean... You know, he stayed in the Hyatt when he was off in Bethlehem and whatnot. I mean, give me a break. He was wandering around. There's no poverty. He had Judas. You guys, you guys know who Judas, you know, the, the bad guy and the, the whole thing? He was the accountant. I don't know about you, but you don't need an accountant if there's not some money to be handled. Fair enough? Right. Okay. So there's a level of prosperity, but there's a way that we do it. There's a right way and a wrong way. We do it in a way that honors God. And from that prosperity comes generosity. What do we do with our finances? What do they mean to us? Are we a generous person? Do we give until it hurts? Do we give a little? Do we give a lot? Do we give of our time? Do we give of our resources? Not just money. Are we a generous person? These are all things that God has laid out that we should be doing. So I put out this chart. I wrote it up. I made a chart this week because you can't read my terrible handwriting. But when I look at Scripture, this is what I see. That God expects us to produce something. Be productive with our time, whether that be we go to a job, whether we have a business, where we've got a farm, whatever it is, we're producing something. From that production, we turn a profit, hopefully. Okay? I told you last week, I'll say it every week, profit is not a four-letter word. Profit is good, right? If you don't turn a profit, you won't be doing what you're doing for much longer. You'll go out of business. We'll get into that stuff later. From that profit, we have a savings. And from that savings, we can do three things. We can give it away, being generous. 
we can invest it into other means or put it back into our business or, hey, it's okay to spend a little. You see, we have this other side of the coin where people are like, man, you just need everything you have should just go to the ministry. You should never enjoy anything. You can't have that boat. You don't need that nice car or that nice house. I mean, do you really need four bedrooms? Last time I checked, God said he'd give you the desires of your heart. And again, the last time I checked, God's got a big enough checkbook to take care of all of that. I mean, we act as like there's this limited pool of funds in God's bank account. And it's like, well, if I spend this here, he's not going to have enough to go feed the starving children in New Guinea. I don't know if there are starving children in New Guinea. Maybe there's not. But he, he does. It's a matter of the heart. Do we have a generous spirit? We'll get into all of that, okay? So this is kind of what we talked about last week. Now, this week, I, I brought a little show and tell. I don't know that I've ever done this here, but I've done this other places, and this is always fun. You guys see this thing up here, right? Some of you can, some of you can't. I'll get out of the way. You guys know what that is? It's a toolbox. Very good. Do you know what you keep in a toolbox? Tools. Right. As well as dead crickets, I found out this morning. So we keep tools in here. And so if I pulled this out, we have this is a what? Very bad. You guys are on it today. Man, this is good. And what do you do with a hammer? Well, that's true. I mean, one thing that we could do is if you didn't put anything in the offering box, we could. uh, That's a joke. Okay, tough crowd. Anyway. We hammer things like nails, right? You can do other things with it. You could throw it at somebody. I mean, it, it, it could be. But its main purpose is to put nails into wood. Fair enough? Not super complicated. Okay, so we've got a hammer. Here we've got, let's see what else I got in here. Let's pull this out. You guys know what this is? Level. What do we do with this? You want it straight, Right? Perfectly straight, right? Like not crooked. Y'all following me? You know I can't stand crooked pictures on the wall. Like it, it physically causes pain to my body. I'll tell you guys this story, and you have to promise not to judge me. But I had an office in Omaha back when I was selling insurance. And across the parking lot in the other building was a guy. And I could see in his windows, he had these big picture windows. And his pictures were crooked. And I had looked at those things for six months, and he never fixed them. And it was driving me nuts. So finally, one day, I'm like, I'm going over there. So I leave my office, march through the parking lot. I walk into the front door. The guy was on the phone. I could see him from, you know, from my office. And the receptionist is like, hi, may I help you? I'm like, nope, I'm good. Just walked right on past her. Walked into his office. He's on the phone. He's, you know, of course, a little perplexed. And I straighten his pictures for him. And I looked at him and said, that's been driving me nuts. Can we keep them straight? And he's like, uh, sure. I said, all right, thanks, see ya. I'm out. And I walked back. It was a good day. I accomplished something. I know, it's weird. But I can't help it. I don't like crooked pictures. Like, I can deal with a lot of stuff. I can walk over stuff on the ground, but if the picture's crooked, it'll drive me insane. Anyway, we use this level to make sure things are level and they're straight. Is there any other use for this? Can you hammer nails with it? Well, you can. I mean, it's not its intended purpose, but you could do it. It might be the last time it ever makes anything level again, but you certainly could try. 
Okay, so we got that. How about this one? This one's fancy. You guys know what this is? Ratchet. Right. That's a slang term in today's culture. Something's ratchet. Yeah, you didn't know that either, did you? <laughs> Google it. Google's on the internet. Okay, you look things up on it for you older folks. All right. So, yeah. It's going to be a good day. I can feel it. So, what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah, well, that would, that would be okay. This is why the toolboxes are up here. Not, not you, because there are sharp things in there as well. We make bolts tight, right? Primarily, I mean, or loose. I guess you could loosen them. Um, that's what they make blow torches for, too, but, you know, whatever. But its intended purpose is for that. Now, can we hammer nails with it? Yeah, but is that going to work real well? No, but it does work. Okay? All right, let's just do one more. I brought this one. I had to get a power tool in here. What is this? Batteries charged, too. Hi, how you doing? But she's begging she was in nursery today. This is a saw. What do we do with the saw? We cut stuff with. I have one of these old school ones for, for you folks. This is actually a, a hacksaw. But, it, you know, you remember when you used to have to do things manually? Thank God for technology. But it's a, it's a saw. It cuts things, right? Cuts wood. Depending on the blade, you could cut metal. Can you hammer with it? Well, you can. I've done it. I was putting a roof on and cut a board and there was a nail sticking out, so I popped the top of it and the nail went in. And then I bought a new battery. <laughs> but it, it can be. But its intended purpose is to cut things. See, what I'm getting at here is inside this toolbox, there's a whole bunch of tools that have an intended purpose. Yes, it could extend out to other things, but they all have a purpose of which they were designed and have to be used that way, right? I've got one more tool in here I want to show you guys. It's this right here. I'm going to go stand away from my wife. She's, she, didn't, she didn't know I had this. And I may not see it again after this. But what do we do with this? You see, do we keep money in our toolbox? No. But is it a tool? It is. You see, it has an intended purpose by God. But that purpose has been changed by man. We need to hoard as much of this as we can. We need to just put it away. And it, I mean, we might be able to give a little bit, but we can't give much because we might need it. And it's like, yeah, I know somebody's hurting and, and maybe they're a little hungry, but I can't risk giving it away. The reason we can't risk it is because we bow down before it. You see, its intended purpose by God was to meet the needs of those around us. Instead, we worship this thing. All over the world. Don't think it's just in the U.S. I mean, you've got very poor countries that they will do anything to get this stuff. You see, this is amoral. This is not moral. It's not immoral. It is amoral. It has no morality. It's what the person's heart is that has this that matters. Same with those tools. You could take them and they could be used in another purpose, but they had a design and a purpose when it came from the designer. The same thing with God. I'm not putting that back in there. I'll just stick that right here where I can find it later. 
now that my wife knows that I have some cash, I guess I'm buying lunch today. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, guys. You see, we've got to follow God's intended purpose on everything. We don't worship any other tool in our arsenal, but that one, we, we, we freak out when the economy changes for the bad. We get excited when it turns for the good. And the truth is, is we should be right here. We should, because it just is what it is. If we're putting our faith and trust in God, I don't care what the economy is doing, because God meets my needs. I don't care how good, how bad it is. Yeah, it's more fun when it's good. There's no question about it. But we are so spoiled in this country. If you've ever had the opportunity to travel somewhere else, then you will realize how good we've got it. And we have it very good here. We are blessed. You see, God gives us money to do good works with. And when we understand that we don't own anything, it belongs to Him, then things begin to change. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is what it says, starting in verse 1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints... It is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find your, you unprepared, uh, not, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. So he's laying out a path here, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we will come back to this, not today, and break these things down. But what you see is that Paul is laying out a pattern here. And the number one thing is it's a matter of the heart. That's what we need to focus on, is where is our heart? He said that you guys ahead of time... You said you're going to give a gift. We want you to prepare it beforehand, not on a whim, and not out of because you feel like you have to. This is because you want to. And he who sows sparingly will reap. So is there a reaping that takes place? Yeah. But it all has to do with the matter of your heart. So look at verse Let's look at verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Okay, sufficiency in all things, right? Never lacking. Does that sound like prosperity to you? Because it does to me. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Who is the he? It's God. Who's the one that supplied? It was God. Who's the last one we turn to with finances? It's the supplier. We go and ask for a raise. We go and do whatever we have to do. We don't turn to the right place. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, 
which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You see, it all has to do with where your heart is. Everything that has to do with finances has to do with where your heart is. And so here's what we're going to do today. Is we have got, before we look at as a whole, as a people, as a nation, uh, how we approach money, we need to look at it individually. Because there's a whole bunch of systems out there, right? Socialism, communism, there's a million isms. Capitalism. And in, in the society today, they're like, well, no, this one's greater. Or no, this one's greater. Well, maybe we should look at the statistics of the countries that have tried these different things and see where the chips fall. But if we follow a godly principle, then we should have no problem. So we're going to look at and see which system fits the idea of liberty, prosperity, and generosity that allows you to produce and profit and save. And we'll get there. But individually, where's our heart when it comes to money? As I said before, we have a habit of bowing down before it. We'll do anything for it. That rhymed. Didn't mean to. I'm a rapper. I didn't know it. That rhymed too. Okay. You see, there's a joke out there. Is that there is a price that anybody will take to do something that is not good. Think about this. Most of us in here would never shoot a person, right? Most people in this world would never shoot a person. But if you were desperate enough and a high enough money amount was offered, you just might, right? We would never steal, right? We would never steal. Even if we were starving, we would never steal. But out of desperation, people do it every single day. Why do they do it? Because they forgot who supplies the seed. You see, it's God that does it. Our attitude has everything to do with this. And so when we look at, we're going to look at Matthew 6 here for just a minute. This is where you get into the Lord's Prayer and all of that kind of stuff. But in Matthew chapter 6, what you're going to notice is it all has to do with the intent of the heart, of the things that you do and the intent of men or the heart to please God. Let's look at this. Verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Okay, does that happen? Do people do things today just so other people see how generous they are, how nice they are? I mean, look at social media. You know, whatever happened to the good old days where you did a good deed without making a video of it and blasting it on Facebook and Twitter and, I don't know, Snapchat and all the other social media things out there? So don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Who's he talking about there? The Pharisees. And in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to, your, to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. You see, what he's saying here is that when you're going to go and bless somebody, that you don't do it, you're not, you know, hey, I'm giving her $20, she needs $20. I'm not really giving that to her. (laughs) 
She just was closest to me. We sound the trumpet like, oh, look at me. I've told you guys this before. We don't pass a bucket here for an offering, but a lot of churches do, or at least used to. And every dollar bill was crumbled up, kind of tossed in there, whatever. But if it was 100, oh, baby. I mean, it would start here. They'd pull it out of their wallet. They'd raise it in the air, and they'd lay it in that bucket oh so gently, nice and flat so everybody could see what it was. Happened all the time. Why? They're doing their deeds before men. So it's an attitude of the heart, right? Charitable deeds should be done. But if you're doing it so that you can be seen, noticed, whatever the case may be, you just got your reward. Congratulations. But he said that the reward comes from heaven. Look at this, verse 5. And when you pray, okay, so should we pray? Absolutely. So when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. Talking about the Pharisees again. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward, right? We know people like that, right? They'll stand up. I have a relative. The man never prays over a meal, ever. But when you get a group of people together, he's the first one that wants to pray. And he preaches a stinking sermon during the prayer. And I'm like, we want to eat. Say amen. It's blessed. We're blessed. Let's move on. But he just gets up there, and, and he just goes on and on and on. That's outside his character. He got his reward. He got his reward. You see, we shouldn't want to just do things to be seen. What are we talking about? An attitude of the heart. Let's see here. Surely I say to you, they have the word reward. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain reputations as, repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Boy, we see that happen all the time. Oh, say that prayer 50 times. You'll be okay. Right? He just said don't do that. Okay? Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray. You notice it says, in this manner, not just repeat this over and over. Okay, make that clear. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We all know this, right? We've heard it before. Hallowed, great and mighty is your name. Your kingdom come. Stop. Why would He make that statement if His kingdom was not going to come to this earth? Because that's what He just said. I mean, we talk about end times, and there's all these arguments of what's going to happen. He, Jesus just told him, you need to pray that your kingdom come to the earth. Watch. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He just said your kingdom's coming to earth. That's a little side note. I'm not even going to charge you extra for that. Okay? Done. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay? Today, what we say, give us this day our daily ribs. Right? We don't want bread. We got plenty of bread. We want ribs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So in this manner that we pray, and it all has to do with what? God's heart. We want God, your kingdom come on earth. We're praying this, and, and Lord, take care of us. Give us today all that we need so that we can be about your work. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither your Father forgive yours. Verse 16, moreover, when you fast, okay, you notice it was a de declaration, not if. When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. 
with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Why? They would go around and they would make sure everybody knew it. And they're like, oh, I'd love to go to lunch with you, but I'm on a 30-day fast. Today, it's like, I'm on a 30-minute fast. I haven't eaten since breakfast. I mean, it's, they're going around making sure that you know it. They, they, they change their countenance. Why? They're seeking the attention from you instead of the glory of God. There's a purpose in fasting, and we're not going to get into that today. But it says when we do it, so we should do it. But we don't go around making sure that everybody knows what is going on in our life. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Take a shower is what he just said there. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And then we get into verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's not telling you not to have a savings account, not to invest. We'll get into that stuff later. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's making two distinctions. The finances of this earth or the glory of God in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. Where your heart is, here or here. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Are you solely focused on this earth right now, meeting your needs, taking care of the next big thing? The next big stock deal, the next business, the next job, whatever it is, to get as much stuff. I need another car. I want a motorcycle. I need a bigger house. Maybe I just need a house. Or is our treasures up here? It says, verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye, and if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now watch this. No one can serve two masters. What are we still talking about here? It's still talking about finances. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We'll come back to that. I'm going to explain that today. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Take that, PETA. We're above the birds. Another joke. Stay with me. Okay, verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you not worry about, or why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Okay? He takes care of everything else. Why can't he take care of us? Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, remember, who are the Gentiles? They are the pagans, the ones out of covenant with God. At this point, Jesus has not died, and he has not resurrected yet. They are not in fellowship with God. 
So they do all of these other things, and he's making the Jews as the antithesis to this, saying, don't be like them. Don't worry about this stuff. God takes care of everything else on this earth. Why would you be any different? For your heavenly Father knows that you need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things. What things? Food, drink, clothing, finances. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, what do we do here? We do it differently. We seek first all the things that we need, and then we act like we are glorious in God. Look how blessed I am. Have you ever noticed when you, you, you hear people talk, they always say, God is so good after they receive whatever it was that they've been waiting for. They get a new car. Man, God's so good. He's just blessed me. Was God not good before the car? Why does it take the thing to make you make that declaration? It's because we're spoiled. We're spoiled kids. We get what we want, then we'll give God praise. That is the opposite of what was just said. We seek after God. And when you're seeking after God and His righteousness, yeah, the things are going to come, but you're not going to care. Because the things are nothing more than a tool. You see, we have it backwards here. God wants us to be, have this freedom, this liberty, this prosperity, and this generosity. But we only achieve those by seeking Him. We will achieve it no other way. So let's go back. It says, no one can serve two masters, verse 24, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And you guys, when you hear this, uh, in sermons on this, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and riches, which is not what it says. You guys ready to meet mammon? Let me introduce you to Mammon. Go ahead and throw that up there. Say hello to Mammon. You got the job of the HUD looking guy over there, and I don't know what that is. They don't have good carvings of Mammon. Mammon was the Aramaic god of riches. He wasn't saying that you can't serve God in money. He said you can't serve God in that. Now, why not? Because people chase, were obviously chasing after mammon. They were worshiping mammon. You'll notice here, you see how he's got two people underneath of him on the, on the left here, my left, your, well, your left as well. And over here, that is holding three denarii. He's got him chained there. He's bowing down before him, and he's holding the money over his head. Because if he controls that, he controls you. Think about end times. Remember, we talked about this. The Antichrist, when he comes, if you don't take the mark, you can neither buy nor sell. It does not say he'll kill you. You can neither buy nor sell. He's controlling commerce. And the whole world is going to bow before that because this means so much to them. He's this Aramaic God of riches. And you know what he promises? He's like, if you worship me, I'll give you all the desires of your heart. 
Anything that you ever wanted in life, I can fulfill. I can give it to you. Look at how the enemy tempted Jesus. He said, he takes him up onto the temple. He says, look around you. You bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything you see here. See, that's what mammon does. He makes promises that only God can fulfill. Only God can fulfill that. But we spend our entire lives chasing after this stuff. Now, don't misunderstand me. We work. We work hard. And we get what God provides for us. And we spend it and we enjoy it. And we give it and we're generous with it. But we should never worship it. It is nothing more than a tool. It's a tool that's used two ways. It's a tool used by God, and it's a tool used by the enemy. The same dollar that goes in the offering plate that might feed a a child, maybe build a house in El Salvador, can be the same dollar that has cocaine snorted through it. That's buying drugs. It's the same dollar. It's neither moral nor immoral. It's the God that we worship that makes the difference. What I want you to understand here is as we get into these next parts here in the next couple of weeks, is that there's a, one reason why this happens. And you need to understand this. And this is scriptural. The heart of man is evil. The Bible says it time and time again. The heart of man is evil. Because given the opportunity, I'm not talking about somebody who's truly seeking after God, understand that. Given the opportunity, people do things that are unscrupulous for monetary gain. It happens all the time. 11th hour deals, you hear about this kind of stuff happening all the time. The heart of man is evil, and that's important to understand as we get into these next parts. But guys, we have got to begin to look at money the way God does. He gave us a tool of which we can use. He gave us a tool of which we can earn. He gave us a tool that we can build and grow and do more with. Remember Proverbs 31, that she considered the field and saw that it was good. So she planted a vineyard. and She sold the goods of that vineyard. And she was able to take care of her handmaidens. And she was able to take the profits from that. And she bought more. And always was working with her hands. And always doing what was necessary. But she became very, very wealthy. And it was all done the glory of God. For you women, that's the, that's the type of woman that is always exemplified. You need to be just like her. For us men, honestly, we could be a little bit more like her too. The heart of man is evil, and because of that, we'll chase after this to do whatever it takes to get more of this, because we care too much about our comfort and what other people think than what God wants done on this earth. You guys following me? Each week, we're going to get into this a little deeper and a little deeper. So stay with me here. But we're going to begin to look at these different systems and see which one follows a biblical model, if any of them do. Maybe they don't. But let's do this thing God's way. Amen?